video yesterday, you miss out on a very good time. Leadership community, as daunting as it sounds, it's really not just leaders, you know, and you got to be like this big, I don't know, I'm not even one of those big kind of things, but, you know, it's, we all have spheres of influence and in areas that we lead, whether that be in a small group, whether that be with children, whether that be with greeting. Uh, leadership community is a time for all the people to come together and talk about the, the ministry of the church, and we had a great morning. And the subject of the morning? Budget. And it was, it was a blessing uh, for us to come together and really talk about uh, what is the mission of the church and how does the mission of the church connect with our finances. Uh, we looked at, at the book of Matthew and uh, the parable of the talents and how God has entrusted each of us with talents and gifts to be used for, not for our own purposes, but for furthering the kingdom. And uh, if we use them properly to glorify Him, to advance the kingdom here on this earth, at the end He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now I'll entrust you with more. Welcome into the joy of my kingdom. And uh, so we talked about that yesterday. And I just want to, we'll talk about this more and more. Um, but we're actually going to be a church that's going to be raising our budget. We're, we're going to be raising our, our weekly expected uh, tithes and offerings. And I know that sounds risky, but you know what? We serve a, a big God who uh, owns the cattle on a thousand hills, or you could say all the automobiles in Chicagoland area, they're his. And so we trust that God will care for, will provide for this church. Uh, $9,700 was our expected uh, tithes and offerings, and we're going to be asking for 2010, $11,000. It's not a huge increase. Um, we run on a skeleton budget, um, but we believe that God will be faithful and is calling us to uh, move towards a goal of 50% of everything that comes in goes right back out. 50%. You give us a dollar, 50 cents of it goes right back out. And that's a goal that we have. It sounds huge and enormous, but we, we just trust that God is going to be faithful as we desire to be faithful. So one of the things that we're going to do is uh, this week and next week during communion, we're also going to be taking a special offering for Haiti. Um, if you were on the city or if you've seen on Facebook, we're, it's going to start today. If you had no clue, come back next week. Uh, we have not yet decided what organization or organizations we're going to be working with, but we want to make sure that they're gospel-centered uh, organizations that have uh, are balanced with reaching out to the lost, but also rebuilding the church in Haiti. And so uh, those are our desires, and my hope is that uh, we we just blow it blow it out of the water. You know, if it's if it's a thousand dollars, you know, we're going to. I think we could do better than that. But there is a huge need. 50% of Haiti is in abject poverty. Just abject poverty. The average household income is $1,300. And they're decimated. $1,300. So what is God calling us to do? I don't know. What's God calling you to do? How to participate? I don't know. But start praying about it. Maybe for you this morning it's just putting five, ten dollars in and next week coming back with the storehouse. 
don't take out a college loan or anything, college students, but, you know, listen carefully to what God is saying. So that, that's next week. And just uh, we'll give you more information about that as we, we get going. Uh, if you were here last week, we started uh, our first week in an 18 or 19 week series uh, called A City on a Hill, where we're going to be walking through um, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount for me is um, not just um, a handbook for dummies. It's not just read it and just say, oh, have a better life, do this, have a better life, do this, be this, be that. And you do these things, you apply these principles and everything's going to be good. It's not just that. It is looking carefully uh, at who Jesus is. Who is the one who gave the Sermon on the Mount? It's Jesus. And His desire is that we be like Him. We're never on this side of the grave going to be like, perfectly like Jesus Christ. But through the process of being sanctified, being, sanctified, being made more like Him, we grow in that. So our desires, how do we be more like Christ? How do we look at the sin in our life, the junk in our life, and become more and more and more and more like Him? So I want you to open up your Bible that you have along with you. If you don't have one with you, grab one in the aisles. Here's my coffee. Grab one in the aisles. Um, and uh, the page number this morning that we're going to be looking at is 809. Turn to page 809, and this is, we're also going to be starting something. We're going to start the practice now, um, and we were really good at the beginning, and we just kind of dropped it. I'm going to read the Scripture, and after we have read Scripture, I'm going to say, this is the Word of the Lord, and your response is? Yeah, with a little bit of enthusiasm, because this is the Word of God, so... I'll, I'll get done the reading. I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And your response is? Amen. Amen. All right. Starting in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if here's audience participation time. If you are a business owner, if you worked in any kind of organization whatsoever, which hopefully is all of us, um, unless you're a child, um, if you're an employer, you, as you're going through an application, you're looking for certain qualities, certain things in a person, certain traits, certain ways that people live. If you would think with an American mindset, American, don't give me the church answer right now, okay? Because I know that's we're in church and you're going to want to give that to me. If you have an American answer as to what personality qualities, what kind of traits that you are looking for in a future employee, what are you looking for? Shout it out. Assertive. What? What was that, Diane? Punctual. Amissio Day? Punctuality. Assertive. What else? 
integrity, consistency. What else? Teachability, hardworking, dependable. What else? Leadership. Leadership and? Yeah. (laughs) Someone who can't replace me. Yeah. That's wise hiring, huh? What else? Anything else? Well, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. If um, in the 1990s, um, a gentleman, a psychologist, uh, Dr. Digman, came out with uh, five personality traits that looks for a really solid, well-balanced person. And uh, the first one that he is looking for that says, if you want a solid kind of person, not necessarily in the business world, but just a solid, well-rounded person, you're looking for someone who has a good amount of openness. They, they have an appreciation for the arts. They, they, they're open with their emotions, their feelings. They're, there's a good sense. They're open to adventure, a challenge. They want to do something. So they're open. They, they've got an open-mindedness to them. They're also, there's a conscientiousness that is a well-balanced person. Someone who shows self-discipline. And like Diane said, punctuality. There's also, they've got a certain plannedness to their lives. They're not just, you know, shoot from the hip and let's see if we can make it swing. You know, if you've ever been in the dating world and you dated one of those people, you want to kill them? Oh, well, sure, I'll be there at 5 and show up at 6.30. You know, that's not conscientious. And after a while, it breaks down trust. Another one that they said he said was a certain amount of extroversion, a certain amount of energy and positive emotions and they seek the company of other people that's not saying that they've got to be the life of the party but there's this desire of man i want to connect with christine i want to connect with bob i want to get to know people those are important things another one is there's a certain amount of agreeableness they're compassionate they're cooperative instead of always suspicious you know those people where they're always, you say something, they always go, uh, I don't know about that. You know, you know they, they're always second-guessing whether or not you're trustworthy. It's like, sure, we'll see about that. But they, there's, when, you're, when you've got those kind of people in the room, there's a certain amount of agreeableness that, yeah, oh, absolutely. Let's, how do we make that happen instead of, I don't know if that's possible. Nobody enjoys those kind of people. They're, they're difficult. Another one is... And when I first saw this, I go, mm, I don't know if I like the, the word. Neuroticism. I don't know if I, I like that. You know, somebody who's neurotic, a little bit crazy. But he's, their definition is this ability to experience unpleasant emotions easily. So when stress comes or when um, anger happens or anything like that, these people take it and they receive it and they bounce it back and they don't flip out. So you take that kind of a person, you put them into a business, maybe a relationship, a marriage, a, you know, a co-worker. Dr. Dickman says, this is an ideal person. Now Jesus, he takes that and goes, I'm going to turn it all on its head. And let me tell you, let, let, let me talk to you about who a disciple really is. 
And really, because what the Sermon on the Mount is, the Sermon on the Mount was primarily given to disciples. And it describes their, uh, their mind, their heart, their outlook, and their values. And so Jesus starts off the Sermon on the Mount by ga- giving them kind of a, a kingdom handbook. If you want to be under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ, who's the King, there's certain kingdom values, certain ways that we work, certain ways that we live, certain ways that we do things. There's certain ways that you as an individual, you as a church are. This is how we do life together in my kingdom. And the first thing that he does is he says, listen, not only are these values and traits for you, but you're going to see them in me. First thing he says is, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit. You know, that sounds like somebody in in abject poverty. So is that saying, Jesus, you want me to be like those poor people, the poor, you know, they're always kind of moping around. They're the people that you just hate being around because they're always just kind of got this melancholy, the poor in spirit. And that's not what he's talking about here. What he is just saying, listen, listen, there's, I am going to bless. I am going, I am extremely happy with the spiritual character trait that Jesus would kind of call in our day and age a self-acknowledged weakness. Blessed are those who are very aware of their spiritual weakness. Very aware of their spiritual weakness. The American culture is blessed are those who are strong and powerful and able to control And Jesus said, blessed are you if you are very aware of your spiritual poverty, your spiritual need, your spiritual brokenness. Blessed are you. He's calling us to be people who know our needs, our spiritual needs, our weaknesses, and our our total inability our total inability to reform ourselves. Apart from a work of Jesus Christ, the Spirit moving in our hearts, we are unable to reform ourselves. Sure, there might be a little bit of behavior management, some, you know, go see a counselor, and this could change and that could change. But our deep spiritual need Apart from the work of Jesus Christ, there is nothing that can change us. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you realize your total depravity, your total brokenness and your need. Because when we know that need, when we know our brokenness, we know that we need God's grace and God's mercy. That there's nothing that we can do on our own. Apart from the work of God's grace and God's mercy. We need to be people who are are keenly aware of our brokenness. Look at this in Hebrews. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you um, 
be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That word hardened in the Greek is the same word they use for the callousness that some of you uh, blue-collar guys get on your hands. Or ladies, when you go get a pedicure, they do some funky feet with stuff with your feet and shave that off. This is a callousness that grows around your heart. And that's what sin does, doesn't it? Sin adds a callousness to our heart where we're not even aware. It's like, you know what, that's second nature. That's what I do. That's who I am. I talk that way. I do this. I, I believe that I am able to do this. And Jesus says, no, blessed are you when you are aware of your spiritual callousness, your spiritual hardened heart. Because you know what? When you recognize that, you recognize your need for grace and mercy, a work of God, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's when the kingdom of heaven just opens up and breaks into your lives. Things change in deep and meaningful and powerful ways is when you recognize your inability to change and your hardness. And not only that, he, he moves on to this, this, this next thing. He goes, blessed are those who mourn. You, you just read through this, blessed are those who mourn? And you're going, so... Jesus, you want us to walk around and just be these people who are mopey and just crying all the time over everything? Well, if we keep the same mindset that, you know, we have this deep need to be aware of our brokenness, our spiritual brokenness, he says, blessed are those who mourn over their weaknesses and mourn over their sinfulness. For such mourning is a blessing for it leads disciples away from sin. I want you to really think about this. Because I struggled with it this week. When was the last time you have cried? Men, when's the last time you've cried over your brokenness? Really? I'm willing to bet if I did a poll right now, most of you go, I have no clue. Probably never. Maybe that one time when I was at a campfire and they were singing Kumbaya a gajillion times. I said, Jesus, brokenness then. But since then, it's like, you know, I'm a self-made man, you know. But when is the last time we have... You know, Jesus says, blessed are you when you mourn over your weakness, your spiritual weakness, your sinful nature, and you just mourn over that. When is the last time we have cried over our brokenness? Whether it be in private, whether it's been in corporate. Where we just say, man, this just breaks the heart of God. My wandering eye. My, my sin of Gossip and spite and anger and resentfulness. My sin of control. My sin of you fill in your own blank. 
But Jesus says, listen, you are going to be blessed when you mourn over your brokenness. When you mourn over your brokenness, because what does it say? For they shall be comforted. Where does that comfort come from? God comforts us by forgiving our sins. He provides deep and meaningful comfort that no one else can give. No boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, pastor, elder, ministry leader, TV evangelist, self-help book. God comforts us by forgiving our sins. And there, listen, I'm the one that's going to comfort you by removing your sins. Scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I moved your transgressions from you. In fact, I'm going to make take the sins away and make you white as snow. But it requires, you know, we jump back to uh, last week sermon. If you didn't hear it, jump online. Listen to the podcast. Jesus, when He started His ministry, He he started off by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here. Repent. And does that repentance, do we just say, oh, I see, yeah, I got this little thing I got to work out. Or does that break our heart like it breaks God's heart? Are we going to repent and go a different direction? Are we going to face another direction and say, I am going to wildly chase after you, God. And I know that this part of my life is just broken and it just hurts you. And it hurts my world. It hurts my wife. It hurts my kids. It hurts my husband. It hurts my girlfriend. It hurts my co-workers. God, it just it is a stain. And I'm going to chase after you. That's what he's looking for. Those who mourn over their brokenness. And he goes on to say, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now this one kind of threw me off. See, this meekness has, again, just another sense of weakness to it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Sounds like a, a doormat kind of ministry, doesn't it? People are just going to come in and just walk all over you. Whatever they're tracking in, they're they're wiping it on you. Take it. Take one for the team. When you've had had enough, take another one. Which it really is a biblical principle. But this is this is the gentle, humble, unassuming approach of one who knows his spiritual poverty. And lets it guide his or her behavior. They're saying, man, I know my brokenness. I know who I am. I know where I've been. I know my junk. I know my past. But I also know my Redeemer. I know the One who has saved me. Who's taken my life out of the pit. He's given me hope. He has comforted me. I have an assurance of my salvation that's found deeply in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit reassures me of it day in and day out and day in and day out. And the meek are very aware of both worlds. And so that when they enter the world of a college dorm 
or a, a working place where, where the sin is just run rampant, where there aren't lives that are changed. They come in humble and unassuming and not needing to be these powerful. Listen, you got to get your junk together, Mike. Seriously. Sinner. You know? It's not that kind of a, an approach. Because if we love the Gospel, if we love the, the deep and powerful work of God, and if we know our spiritual poverty and our sin, we know that we have no right, absolutely no right, to exalt ourselves. I am not in my spiritual place right now because of the work that Paul Vroom has done. I, am only, I can only stand here today assured of my salvation because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that should form how we work with people. How we love people. How we're gentle with people. How we walk alongside them and care for them and show the Gospel verbally and physically. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And here's, here's the last one that we're going to talk about this morning. And for me, this is the pivotal one. This is the one that the first three point towards and the last three look at. It's kind of this cause and effect thing. And it says this, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. If we know our, our spiritual sin and poverty, if we mourn over it, if we live meekly because of it, we are going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for holiness. And this hunger and thirst is a yearning for God's rule and reign in our life. It's a thirst for His kingdom. It's a hunger and thirst for His, His world to break into our world. It's a hunger and thirst and saying, it's only Jesus that makes this possible. And since it's only Jesus that made it possible, it's also Jesus who is going to continually going to be able to make it possible in my life. It longs for God's Word and its life-changing effect. It longs for God's Word. And as I think about that, I'm excited about the men's ministry. Not to the exclusion of all the others, okay? I don't want that to come up at some leadership community. But I'm excited that we've got men who are desiring to grow deeply in God's Word. They're hungering and they're thirsting. This week I got, um, this Friday, I got an email from Brandon from the city. If you weren't on the city, shame on you. Uh, but an email from Brandon talking about their first Friday together 
as they walked through this book, Desiring God by John Piper. And just the passion that he has of how God is just breaking into his life. And he said, oh my gosh, let me read this. And it was just strewn with Scripture and this and that. I'm going, yeah, we got a guy who is getting it. He is what? He's hungry. And he's thirsting for righteousness. Not his own righteousness, but a righteousness that only comes from Jesus Christ. Could you imagine what would happen to the church of Jesus Christ if we were actually poor in spirit? That we would mourn over our sin? Could you imagine? You know, what, what would happen if there's a certain meekness about the church that controlled our behavior? It's kind of different than a, a Pat Robertson approach, you know? Who cast a judgment on Haiti because, you know, they were in line with the devil at one time and had a pact and, well, this is, this is what's happening to them, this earthquake. It's like, really? Love the gospel. Love these people. Be compassionate. Do you realize your, your sinful nature? And do you realize the cross? Do you realize these people need Jesus just as much as you do? Love these people. Be compassionate. And then for us to hunger and thirst daily. Because here, here's the thing. This is, read this from John. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I'm your food. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the one that we need to hunger and thirst for. The one that we need to just crave. Are there days and moments and seconds in your life where you go, man, I am just craving Jesus. I'm just craving to find out more about Him in God's inspired Word. You know, to the point where I am, I'm, I'm willing to take notes and my, my Bible becomes multicolored becomes technicolor and there becomes notes all over because you're discovering Jesus Christ and you're thirsting and hungry for more and more and more of Him. Where maybe for a week you just stay in one verse and go, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean for me? Blessed are the poor. Am I poor in spirit? And for a whole week, your heart just breaks because you realize you're callous. You're hard. You're self-made man or woman. Your unfaithfulness, your, your laziness, your pride, your whatever is breaking the relationships around you. It's breaking God's heart. And you mourn over that. And you're only doing it because you're hungry and thirsting for more of Jesus. And then here's the other thing. Where week after week, Sunday after Sunday, you come together and you gather as the body of Christ. Not for the sake of, you know, check it off the, you know, my checklist. I've done my Sunday thing. But because you want to hear the gospel. You want to sing about the gospel. You want to participate in the gospel. You want to financially help others 
get their hands around it, their minds around it, their hearts around it. So financially, you say, man, I will do whatever it takes. With my time and my talents, I'll do whatever it takes. When the body gathers, use my gifts, use my talents. Because they too need to see and hear and give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's because of a hunger for Jesus Christ. And it transforms you. It changes you. It's the pivotal blessing. When we hunger and thirst, we're changed. Romans even talked about the renewing of our mind. The changing of our mind. And it's not just by casual acquaintance. It's by intentional relationship. That's why as a church, we say if you want to be a member of this church... We have three C's. Christ is it. From Him, all blessings flow. He is our, the centerpiece. He's the, the biggest thing on the, the eye chart. This, he is it. Jesus Christ and the Gospel. But from that, the next C is community. If you're unwilling to be in a community of believers who challenge you and hold you accountable, who push you and love you and discipline you, you're missing it. You're missing something. That's what scares me about my small group. Today we're going to be talking about repentance. We've had a week to think about it. And I'm scared. Because i got somebody over here in this corner, Casey, who's going to say, So, Paul! And he's not going to let me off the hook just because I'm a pastor. He's going to push me. What is it that you need to repent of? You need to change of? It scares me, but you know, at the same time, it's found in community. And on my own, it probably wouldn't happen. But I've got brothers and sisters who love me and love my family and love my marriage enough to ask these questions. And what does it do? It pushes us out. It keeps us kingdom-minded. It sends us out on a cause. Missio Day Church is not for everybody. Period. It's a high call. We're going to keep pushing you. So if you're coming for comfortable, nice entertainment, good, good show up here, a nice inter, you know, motivational speaker, come back another week. Give it another try. Maybe God will change your heart. If you're here for the long haul because you want to become more like Jesus, and you want to pursue Him, hunger and thirst after Him, welcome home. Because that's what life in the kingdom is about. That's what this is all about. Sinclair Ferguson says this, 
this teaching of the Sermon on the Mount will change us only when, only when we submit to the sovereign and gracious reign of the one who preaches it. And the Sunday school answer is, who is preaching it? Okay, you just failed Sunday school. Uh The one who is preaching it is, is Jesus. For the Sermon on the Mount enshrines in its teaching the authority and lordship of Jesus Himself. My hope is that we discover in these next few weeks what it means to really submit ourselves to the sovereign and gracious reign of Jesus Christ in every aspect of our life. Every aspect. But there's there's something that we need to do on a weekly, daily, moment-by-moment basis. And it's, it's, it's a, a check. It's a self-examination. Asking those raw and hard questions. What is it, God, that I need to repent of? And where is it again that I need to recognize Your work in my life? Where do I need to submit to your sovereign and gracious reign? And we do this every week with the Lord's Supper. I encourage you just to, for a moment or two, repent. Maybe it's repenting here in this room. I've seen it happen a couple times. It scares the living daylights out of me, but it brings great joy. Because we're getting it. Maybe it's uh, stepping out for a little bit and getting uh, on the cell phone, turning it back up, powering it up, and calling mom, calling dad, calling brothers, sister, and saying, hey, you know, I was a real jerk this week. And I I need to apologize. And you need to know that I will no longer be that person. I'm working to change that. Just so you know, I love you. I care for you. I respect you as a human. I gotta go. I'm ready to take communion. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had his disciples in mind. Those who would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He said to them, This is my body that is broken for you. this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, He took the cup, the cup of blessing, and He, he poured it out, saying, this, this is a picture of My blood that's going to be poured out on the cross at Calvary, which will remove all your sins, and it will provide you the comfort that you need. Do this in remembrance of me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to the table. You are welcome. Examine yourselves. Take, eat, and believe. If you're not quite there in your walk with Jesus Christ, 
why don't you just sit? This is a family thing. Watch. Ask questions. Maybe ask, what is it, God? If there is a God. What is it that you're, you're saying and doing in my life right now? If you need somebody to talk to, I'll be in the back. Ladies, if you're more comfortable talking to a woman, I'm sure my wife or Katie or any other woman in here is willing to talk to you too. If you need somebody to pray with you about a specific sin, and you're praying that God will break your heart, come join me in the back. And don't, don't let your pride get in the way. Stupid. There's no judgment here. So, are those who are serving, please come forward. Additionally, this is also going to be the time that we receive our first offering for. Um, Haiti. And you're going to notice every week we also have baskets over here that are for benevolence for those who are in need. So come, for all things are ready.